Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What up, what up? We are back for another Silver Age Spotlight. Eric, welcome. Are you excited? You know, I'm always excited to be here, Mark. I know you are always excited, You're brimming with excitement. And today we, uh, as we've started doing, if you're following along, at least for the patrons anyway, I think I'll, I'll put this out in the public feed too, but patrons got to vote on what we chose today. We did give them the options. The options were, I'll just lay it all out there. Fantastic Four number 48, the first appearance of Galactus or Fantastic Four number five here on the Silver Age Spotlight. The winner was, drum roll please, Fantastic Four number five by a by considerable amount, I would say. Yeah, I think it was like a seven to one. I feel like almost every comic fan, I mean, I know I've read it a few times, has has read that Galactus issue, but maybe not. I had, I had actually never read this, even though I'm a big Doctor Doom fan. Had you read this before? Uh, I have not read this book, yeah, uh, so but for- the, Gal- the Galactus books I certainly have read. Me too. So I don't know why it is, but for, for whatever reason, that Galactus appearance is a lot more well-read, and it seems to be at least in our group. And um, which is interesting because you'd think this would be a, but I know this story though, because this story has been recapped in so many different comics, so many different like history of Fantastic Four things that I know the story, but I'd never actually have read this particular story. Yeah. Uh, another advice kind of surprised me that I never read this before. Um, you know, I think the Galactus books, you know, that three issue arc that they have is just kind of like, um, you know, it's it's main Kirby and Stanley. It's just that's kind of like their prime uh, for book writing. And I think that's kind of why most people are reading those. Yeah, I think you're right. And without looking at the cover, look away from it right now. Do you remember the cover price without looking? Um, I'm going to guess it's probably about 12 cents. You're exactly right. 12 cents. Wow. I don't have that up, by the way, just to just Well, to you know your shit. Or you're that as well, one or the other. All right, I believe you. All right, well, this is Fantastic Four number five. First of all, before we even get in further into this, I feel like this is much more common of a thing back in the day. And by back in the day, I mean, even in the 90s, I feel like we got a lot of this, where they will like give you a whole scene and a whole bunch of dialogue that is not in the book, by the way. Like, this is not repeat dialogue. It's like imaginary dialogue uh, that could be in some alternate story of the book. Because as we know, they typically create these covers well before the books are, are completed or they at least send these out, you know, for uh, previews and whatnot. At least they did do now. I mean, I don't know how things were working back back in the day. Uh, but yeah, I mean, here we say we see Dr. Doom on a big monitor. I mean, it gives you the vibe of what's going on. Certainly. He says, with a turn of this dial, I shall destroy the four of you forever. That isn't his intention. That's true. Uh, and they all get everyone gets a line on the cover. Um, Reed is saying, I've got to reach him. He's reach him, you see, because he he stretches. The, he's draining the air out of the room. I can't breathe. But, so this is a scene. This scene definitely occurs, but it doesn't occur in this way. What are your thoughts about this this sort of mannerism of of promoting what's what's to come in the story? I mean, it's it's, it's a little interesting. You can see that the Fantastic Four are in peril. You can see that Doctor Doom is a big bad. Uh, but you can also see that Doctor Doom's kind of keeping Sue Storm to himself. Yeah, she's off to the side. I love Things line here. Thing just says, like, 
Air. I got to have air. <laughs> this bridge. He's got a rock in his hand from somewhere. Yeah, I don't know what the rock is. Like, he's about to. And look how he's laying. This is very strange. This is unfortunately, Marvel does not have support for viewing Marvel Unlimited books on on the app. Uh, no, it does have on the app. It does not have it on the browser. So it's, I can't really share these panels with you. But Marvel Unlimited is very inexpensive. I highly recommend checking it out if you're, if you want to dive into this stuff for us because with us, because we're, we're probably mostly going to bounce between DC and um, Marvel and. Say what we will about those companies and their present, but they have extensive, incredible libraries on their respective apps. So I I will recommend the apps, especially if you want to dive into this. It's the easiest way to follow along because for the most part, unless you have collected editions or I mean, there's all sorts of reprints of all these key issues. But for the most part, you're not going to be finding these issues and following along with us other than finding them on the app would be my recommendation. It's going to be really hard to find this. So, you know, as I've been doing with kind of like our our Silver Age spotlights here. I looked up the price of this book. So this book in a low grade. So if you wanted to take the plunge and, and purchase this, a low grade of this book is about $5,500. How low a grade are we talking? Uh, we're talking about like a two. Wow. Like, like barely, barely hanging on. Yeah, barely hanging on. Um, and at a high grade, if you can find one, and, and I'm sure this is kind of like a low estimate at high grade, you're looking at about $52,000 Wow. Uh, for a high grade of the book. And that's probably around an eight. I'm sure if you actually had a crazy, I was going to say, if you had a crazy high grade, I mean, you'd probably name your price because it probably doesn't really exist. Yeah, I'm sure if you find one in the nines that, like you said, you can just name your price. I do find it interesting how the market in comic books has evolved. We've, We've touched on this now and then. I mean, issues like this are scarce because at the time, people were not collecting. So no matter what we do since then, people are on to comics now. Comics exist. People know it. People are looking out for the key issues, looking out for things to buy. Yes, now and again, you still get an issue that flies under the radar that later gains value. But for the most part now, most of the scarcity in the comic market is entirely artificial. And I'm not even saying that's bad. Business is business, but it's all through sort of variant prints that are very rare, uh, books you only can only get at conventions, and then those are what resell for higher value in sort of the short term. But for the most part, modern comics are not going to rise in value. I mean, for the most part, some will. But, I mean, I'd say as a, you can almost call it a rule that if you buy a modern comic, unless you get a rare, like, you know, something is killing the children number one, a series that takes off and the first print becomes a big deal. I mean, it does happen. Uh, but for the most, most part, most of the scarcity we see today is entirely created by the players in the industry itself because it's the only way they're going to get it. That's right. Yeah, it's just it's just creating that phase, that false scarcity. I mean, you can get the book in any version you want. It's just, do you, do you want that particular cover? Do you want that particular material that it's made of? You know, how do you, how do you want it delivered? And what are you willing to pay for? Um, you know, that's what you're getting nowadays. I mean, back then, you know, when this book was printed... I mean, the materials were a lot different, too. They weren't meant to last. Um, yeah. You know, they they broke down a lot easier. So trying to find finding something in a higher grade is, you know, probably well worth that money in the collector's market. Yeah, I mean, these were just throwaways back in the day. You just grab one of these in the newsstand, you toss it, you know, you toss it at the, the table in the dentist's office or yeah. what have you. And, you know, you never think twice about it. And, man, if someone did, I mean, I don't even know if I doubt bags and boards existed back in, in this day. I, mean, I don't even know how you would preserve something if you wanted to. I think it was sheer luck, maybe like slap it in between like a newspaper or something and just get lucky. That has to be the only case is when something just by happenstance is placed in some way that just manages to preserve it by accident. Yeah. That's, that's there's, probably still, there's probably still copies of this book in fucking grandma's attic, some grandma's attic somewhere that is in 
pristine condition and Probably. they have no idea. It's just in a pile yep. of garbage. <laughs> so if you or your grandmother or anyone related to them, if you hear a whiff, if you hear, uh, hey, I think they have some comics up there. Go take a look. Just say, hey, I know a lot about comics. Mind if I take a look? And then you snatch the shit out of that book that and you run. You didn't, No, I'm just kidding. You let them know if you find something that may be of value and you broker a deal. That's what we recommend here yeah. at SBC. You give them double cover price at least. Yeah, I think that would be fair. Uh, diving in, all right. The Fantastic Four in Prisoners of Doom. And this is laid out interestingly as well. I'm not sure how common this was at the time, but this is laid out in parts, in many parts. This is like a six or seven part story across, yeah. I don't know, 20 some odd pages. Uh, I don't know if the parts were necessary, but they do kind of... They certainly take up extra space because each part sort of has an introductory page that sort of, much like the cover, sets the stage for the, for the whole thing. What do you think of just the general chapterization layout of this book? I thought it was kind of weird. Um, I, I didn't think it was it was totally necessary in here, but it kind of allowed the story to progress without filling in the blanks in between the chapters, right? Because it kind of says the chapter one ends and then chapter two begins. Some stuff happened in between. We don't need to see it. Yeah, I guess it does let us. That's probably the the prime um, reason for it. Is it's kind of like lets us jump time pretty easily and say, all right, well, later. It's basically saying later on this stuff happened. Yeah. Although I, for some reason, I mean, a lot of times I just don't see the need for these uh, for these chapters. But in this very first page, you see panel, you see Doctor Doom there. He says, "Fantastic Four, ha ha! Little do they dream they are na- not but pa- pawns in the hands of Doctor Doom." And uh, he's got all sorts of sort of accoutrements there with him. Uh, it's so hard to hold this up in front of the camera. I'm not even gonna try. Uh, I got an iPad here, but I find it interesting. He's got <laughs> he's got these little like toy, you know, toy versions of the Fantastic Four. He's he's literally using his pawns. And he's got a book called Science and Sorcery. And then he's got a little, like, book that is just called Demons. Yeah. <laughs> just Why not? Just a book of demons. Why not? Um, and he's, he's pretty much just talking to himself here, coming up with his own plans. But now it is time to let the Fantastic Four feel my might. And he, I guess, is hopping into a helicopter. For all the humans on Earth, only I have the power to defeat them. And we basically go over to a miles away in New York City in the Baxter you, uh, building. Just not to interrupt you. Did yeah, you yeah, notice something away. weird about... Did you notice something weird about Doom in that first uh, the first intro? Uh, his costume's a little different. He's pretty much just wearing a, a green cloak and a mask. Yeah, he he doesn't have his armor yet. Yeah, he doesn't except have armor. for his mask. Even his hands are just normal human hands. Yeah, his armor is not actually introduced until the next issue. Oh, interesting. Just a okay. fun little factoid. All right. So he's got his gauntlets in this, and he's got his mask, but none of the rest of maybe his armor this is, is where he realizes, like, hey, if I'm going to go to battle, maybe I need a little bit of protection out there. Yeah, this is also the first appearance of his pet vulture, which oh. is on the first page. Well, all right. apparently has a pet vulture. We got all the all the key key milestones in this issue. All of them. Yes. Yeah, Meanwhile, the Baxter Building, the lights are flickering out, and it's a. Uh, Reed is asking Johnny like what he's reading, and I don't know why Johnny is so angry here, but he's reading an, an issue of the of the Hulk of the Incredible Hulk, and he's saying a great t- new comic mag. Reed, say you know something? I'll be doggone if this monster doesn't remind me of the thing. He and he's he's just using this as Johnny often does as a way to make fun of the thing. He's saying the thing kind of looks like a big oaf, like the Incredible Hulk here does uh, in this comic bag. This is another iteration where, kind of like in the Flash, we see that a comic book exists in this universe of a character that also exists in this universe. The character being a a facsimile version, not the exact same version, just really a lamer version. I guess you could say that exists. What they're getting meta. I don't, I don't think they get this meta with us nowadays. Do they with these incepting us? I mean, I think the only place you'll see this is kind of like Deadpool. 
mm-hmm. you know, or a book like that, She-Hulk maybe, you know, um, but you're, you're not going to see that in kind of like the, you know, the mainstream comics, um, you know, doing something like this. But, you know, you know what happens here is Johnny Storm gets a little crazy and he burns the Incredible Hulk number one. Yeah, what a fool. He I mean, has no he idea. No Why idea is he so angry, by the way, in this one panel? This is very Disney. Like you know, I think, he, I think maybe he's just a little pumped reading the Hulk. Maybe, he's, I guess. I mean, his, that green rage flow His language through. suggests he's just really jazzed. I also like that the thing is just drinking tea here. <laughs> or maybe it's coffee, but... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's, a, it's a nice morning here at the Baxter Building. Anyway, yeah, he burns the issue of Incredible Hulk number one. Uh, you know, collectors are having heart attacks all over the place. That's and right. as often is the case, I feel like I have seen this scene in hundreds, if not every single Fantastic Four comic, where uh, Thing is trying to throw some shit at Johnny. Reed's trying to calm down. The only way he can really do so is by wrapping himself around Thing, while Sue kind of stands there and says, "Boys, boys, calm down." <laughs> I mean, that's all she can do. Time? She's She's the invisible girl in this, not the invisible woman yet. So that's true. She's, she's limited like, in what she can do. She's the only girl here. You can argue we might see her become a little bit of a woman, although I, that sounded strange, but it's not as strange as, as I make it sound. <laughs> she was, becomes a little weird. bit more of an invisible woman in this issue, you might say. Um, anyway, Reed breaks the whole thing up. He's saying, what's the matter with the four of us? Whenever we're not fighting some menace to mankind, we end up fighting. That's true. You end up fighting amongst yourselves. And, uh, you know, things just like, you know, skip the lecture, pal. I'm a big boy now. And then the lights go out and... They're all confused and befuddled and whatnot. And the A4 scene helicopter that was being piloted by Dr. Doom, uh, it drops this net over the Baxter building. So, I mean, you know, we've seen Dr. Doom do a lot of shit in our day uh, as lifelong comic fans here. We've seen him traverse time, uh, the multiverse, um, you know, conjure demons. This one's a pretty basic plan, though. Uh, he's going to throw a net over everything and turn off the lights and just kind of brute force the whole thing what do, what do you think of the, of our introduction to doom's uh, machinations here you know not not impressed at all you know he's <laughs> he's supposed to be uh the uh, you know uh, a sorcerer he's supposed to be, he's reading a book about demons and all he can muster up is a net but you know what it's a flame retardant net so I, at, least at least he thought of that as we see in this scene here johnny tries to burn his way through but nope it's flame retardant and uh you know reed says look some uh, the ever astute Suitly observing Reed says, look, some sort of net has been dropped over the entire tower. And uh, a voice comes out. He says, Fantastic Four, heed my words. This is Dr. Doom. And Sue says, Dr. Doom, who's he? And Reed says, that voice, I recognize it. And also, he's, he literally named who he was. Uh, and instead of reacting to the situation, Reed just calmly tells the story of, from college and just pauses all attempts to actually get out of the situation and tells That's the nice. story of uh, this this college uh, pal. He was a now, I think in later editions they were roommates or closer friends. Here he just says there was a student. There was this guy. You know, they don't they don't make it. I feel like they kind of retcon how close their relationship was because it doesn't seem like a big deal here. They're just like he's just seems like some guy he sort of knew of, if anything, in this in this version of the of his retelling. Yeah, I was gonna say that this is this feels like a the later retelling of his origin just feels like a total retcon of of Doctor Doom. Where here it sounds like it's more like Reed passively knew this guy. Yeah, and he tells the story like this guy was a science student, but he was really obsessed with magic and, and black magic and caused all sorts of problems. And then this head professor, he, he also had an accident there where he sort of burned his face and got expelled by the professor. And yeah, I mean, they don't even really show Reed interacting too much. He was just maybe what in the science department and he was just there doing regular science while this guy is conjuring demons and shit. Maybe and he's, he's, he's basically like, hey, uh, professor, uh, fucking honeycut here. 
Um, maybe we don't conjure demons in the lab. Maybe that's not what we're here to do. Although maybe it is, you know, at the end of the day. Never know. Anyway, so that's that's our recap of Doctor Doom. And he's like, look, yeah, oh, he's certainly changed. Uh, apparently, he runs a country, wears a cloak, and calls himself a doctor now. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that's the guy because I recognize the voice as well as the fact that he clearly identified himself. Uh, and Doctor Doom shouts out, "You are my prisoners, all of you. If you wish me to spare your lives, you do exactly as I command." And yeah, you know, Thing as always tries to just ignore it and brute force the thing and, and tries to like climb up, but the uh, the rope is electrified, so the net is electrified too. So it's flame retarded and electrified. Impressive. It's pretty nice. At least he did put thought impressive. in the net itself. I will give him credit yeah. for that one. I mean, he's a doctor. Uh, but at the end of the day, Sue says, like, they don't want to do it. But she's like, look, this is the only way that we're going to get close to him. So let's just, I'll go up there. I'll I'll do whatever he tells me to do. Uh, <laughs> she's a little too eager to do it, uh, she's, as she often is. A little too eager to hang out with Namor. A little too eager to hang out with Dr. Doom. Right. Let's just say, I don't think Reed was taking care of everything up late at night, often, and working on his experiments Let's just say Sue was was always was pretty quick to turn an eye in the other direction. Yeah, she's that meme. You know the meme I'm talking about. And it's always just Reed doing science in the corner. And he's like, Sue, what happened? Anyway, and he's and Sue and Reed. You know, um, I guess it's probably the smart thing to do. He quickly agrees. No concern sending his wife up there. He's like, Yeah, of course you should go up there. <laughs> That's the, that is our best shot. And maybe you'll stop nagging me for ten minutes if you're up there. Um, so he sends her up. Uh, and you know, there, you know, an interesting theme, I think throughout this book on both ends of it is the, um, even though they don't seem to know each other that well, they seem to know that each other will have honor throughout this whole thing. Cause this whole time they're just going on a promise that he's not going to do anything to Sue as long as they do what they say. And, and they're kind of going on his word too. And Reed even, uh, kind of defends him later. I'm bouncing around a little bit, but he kind of like defends like, no, no, no. He's the man of his word, everybody. He did put a net. He did put an electric flame retardant net over our building and take our power. But if he says he's not going to hurt her, he's not. I I found that interesting. In fact, it's a bit of an assumption considering how how well they don't even seem to know each other. It it almost seems like Dr. Doom could have just rolled up and asked the Fantastic Four for help here (laughs) instead of throwing a net over the entire Baxter building. It seems like he could have have approached this differently. Yeah, Uh, they're very compliant with the whole situation. Yeah, very, very. Except, except Sue is thinking to herself, "But you shall live to regret defying the Fantastic Four. That's what she's they already believe. thinking about going back on their promise to help this guy. That's true, she is, but Reed is not. And you know, Doctor Doom says they agreed to board my ship as I planned they would. I knew Mister Fantastic could not resist trying to learn what my mission is. One flip of a switch, and they'll be mine. Holy smokes, Reed! Uh, and this thing just like pulls them upwards into the ship into Reed's helicopter, and he flies them all the way back to Latveria to have this conversation. You think they could have just had this talk in the helicopter? Um, and yeah, they're just chilling, so. chilling in Castle Latveria, and Doom basically tells them what he wants them to do. He's like, all right, I got Sue. I'm just going to recap this thing. I got Sue captured here by you guys gave her to me very easily. <laughs> Didn't really put up any resistance to that one. A little surprising. And uh, what I want you to do is I want to First of all, time travel is real, and I have it, so let's just get past that. Gloss is over that. Like, it's no big deal. He's like, by the way, yeah. yes, I have time travel. Just don't even worry no about problem. it. No problem. It works, and I got it. I'm going to send you back in time. There's this guy, Blackbeard, and uh, he's got these gems, the gems of Merlin. He's got them in this specific time and place, and I want you to go back, get the gems of Blackbeard, come on back. I'll grab you from time. I'll give you suit. You give me the gems, and we'll 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 move on. That's That's pretty much the plan. Let's just recap that real quick. Please. Would you Dr. Like Doom stuff? is sending the Fantastic Four <laughs> back in time to get Merlin's gems from Blackbeard the Pirate. 
Yeah. That is the premise <laughs> That's of the, the first premise. appearance of Dr. Doom. <laughs> Talk about it. First of all, you have time travel. Like, I feel like there's so much you could do with time travel besides first unrelatedly create this net and capture this team of people. One of which you, I guess, went to school with, but maybe didn't know that well. Uh, And because they have superpowers, get them to do it. And what's interesting to me, which I expected more of in this, I thought there'd be more of a a grudge driven home between Dr. Doom and Reed. It almost seems unrelated that he's capturing the Fantastic Four to do this, at least at this point in time. Yeah, it it doesn't seem... It's like happenstance. Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's any kind of connection between Dr. Doom and Reed, other than he knows the Fantastic Four... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. There and that they have incredible powers, they can help them. And what's interesting By the here way, is Dr. Doom has a pet tiger, he has a pet tiger. Yes, he has many pets a pet vulture, pet tiger. Um, it's like an Ozymandias here, huh? And yeah, um, so he says, He says, I invented time a time travel device, and I want to, I want you to go centuries of the past and obtain the legendary treasure of Blackbeard for me. And immediately, Reed comes to his defense, he's like, He means it. He means it. This guy's serious. Like, how does Reed? Why does Reed trust this guy? He trusts this guy so much. He hands over his wife like no problem, and immediately agrees with all of his plans and doesn't even question him. And you, th- you'd think, like nowadays, maybe if this was written by a decent writer, it would be like this is all because Reed was the, so many steps ahead of him. You know, like so he agreed with everything to sort of lead him on, but he really was ahead of things because he knew where it was going. No, not in this case. No, he just he just is a total pussy and total cuck about the oh, whole yeah. thing. It's really unsatisfying to, to see this as a former lead man. <laughs> he's he's not he's not very uh, he's not very manly. He's not very chivalrous. He's I mean, at least put he's on just a going show. with the flow here. At least be like, hey, uh, like not with my family. All right, maybe we'll work with you for this moment. But I swear, I'm gonna get you. No, it's just like, yeah, this guy's honest. I, you know, I trust him. He went to school with me. Like, what is this? Yeah, he's just, he's a total puss. Total, he's a total puss. puss. I, I so wish. Spoiler alert. There's no, there's no plan. Reed, Reed has no grand plan. He just seems to think Doctor Doom is all right because he's a science guy. I guess I don't know. He's a good, he's a good guy. He's got a mask. He gives him like the. You know, a little raised fist in one of these scenes. It's pretty nice. So we're we're t- ten pages into this story, and so much has happened in theory, but nothing has happened. Actually, happened. We got the debut mm-hmm. of Doctor Doom. We got the unveiling of this whole plan, and we have successful time travel as the sort of platform they're standing on. As as we've seen in many iterations in both comics and TV, this platform itself is the time travel machine, and it ploops them into, I guess, the past. Um, of some centuries ago where there where everyone is a pirate <laughs> like because they're in the middle of this town and there's Everybody just pirates pirate. galore and there's just there's only pirates so i don't know what year this was 
but it was a year that most of the population of the, of the world were pirates. <laughs> that is that is exactly right. <laughs> Take me to pirate times. <laughs> and then you get plopped into like Somalia with Tom Hanks like 10 years ago. And you're like, oh, yeah. shit. This is not what I meant at all. Wrong one. I'm the captain now. Like, oh, God. Oh, no. This is not far enough. <laughs> um, and then this is hilarious. And it is also sort of. Well, it's an interesting time paradox we're going to see here because quickly, uh, like they're sort of uncovered, but they're, this cover does not last for long because Thing is the thing, and he just becomes a total brute. He's like, no, nah, this is my loot. I'm going to take this treasure. Fuck it. Here I go. And you know, Mr. Fantastic's like, dude, chill. You got to put on a costume, right? You can't just be running around like the Thing. So Mr. Fantastic grabs this beard. Is it Mr. Fantastic? I think it is. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, Mr. It Fantastic. Yeah, grabs this like beard because there's just a fake beard lying around in, the, in these times, I guess, and an eye patch. And puts another thing, and he's like, "Here, let me disguise you two thing—a a fake beard, a hat, an eye patch—that should do the trick." All right, looking pretty good here. So, thing, thing is now a fucking pirate. He's talking like a pirate. He's he feeling goes, it. He goes in this pirate bar. He's like, "Ahoy, matey! Let me see if we can date." What well, he was says, "Date." I guess he wants to date one of these pretty barmaids. He sits home with the sits down with these chicks. I mean, things just go right in for a threesome immediately. Yep. And um, you know, these they're like, "Knock it off, thing. We've got to find Blackbeard. We can't be fucking around like this." And these pirate, these other pirate guys, like, hey, this stranger seems like he could be a part of our crew. Why don't I mean? He seems like a cool guy. He's got a beard. He wants to bang these chicks in the bar. Let's do it. They're part of our gang. And I guess then the next thing we know, but they're well, they, also well, they yeah. they knock them out. They knock yeah, out the. They have their own conversation the about like making them yeah. sleepy or something, and it turns out whatever drink they are served um, knocks them out. And it's not clear That's if right. they got raped between panels, but I'm going to assume they did. Because this I'm is 1963, gonna, and there was probably some rape. Let's be honest. Yep, it's it's whatever. It plus whatever year they're in. That's Both in and I out have. of the workplace. Yes. Uh, so yeah, the Fantastic Four dressed as pirates are just passed out in the the in the hull of the ship. I guess it's called the hull. This is part three, yeah. by the way, on the trail of Blackbeard. Thing is the first to come to. He wakes up, and it's not long before he he just bursts through. You know, he just bursts through the hull up on the top of the ship. And uh, starts kicking all sorts of ass. It's like, all right, boys, your game is over now. And they're like, who dares? Well, you know who dares? See, here's what happened. Should I just explain the whole thing? I think I should just yep. explain the whole thing right now. If you haven't put it together. If you can. Dr. Doom wanted the Fantastic Four to go back in time to get these gems of Merlin. Right? Merlin's gems that were being held by Blackbeard. Because he knew through history, I guess he read the history books and knew at this point in time, Blackbeard has these gems. Then Thing gets on this boat dressed in a Blackbeard because he was sent back in time by Dr. Doom. Bursts through the boat, fights these guys, takes control of the ship, becomes the captain of the ship and due to the beard he was wearing that Mr. Fantastic put on him, which was black, takes the name Blackbeard. Yeah. My friends, we have quite a time paradox here. Yes, thing was the thing is Blackbeard all along. Thing's I'm just going to skip to it. But I think more importantly along the way here, there is like Sting. Uh, sting. <laughs> this is the maybe a Freudian slip. The thing actually turns heel briefly here. Once everybody starts, essentially, they almost like worship him like a god. They respect him as Blackbeard because he kicks everybody's ass. Um, he's got a Blackbeard. He's got an eye patch. He checks all the pirate boxes, and he's the strongest one on the ship. So before you know it, everyone on that ship, all these other pirate guys, they're following the thing. They're calling him Captain Blackbeard, and they, yep. they're you know they're they're all all about it. And the Fantastic Four, they're kind of like, hey, thing, uh, you know, you ready? You ready to get going? He's like, no, no, no. Take these guys, <laughs> capture these guys. These guys are are nuts. I don't know what they're doing here. They're mutineers. I'm Blackbeard. I run this fucking ship. 
put them in the fucking hall or whatever it is. What did, I did not expect this in the middle of this time travel story, this very convoluted tale to get the quest to get Merlin's gems by Dr. Doom. We took- get Dur- Doom, uh, we get Thing showing his shadow. You know, he's showing the worst he could be. He is yeah. capable of being a, a tyrannical pirate. Yeah, and he's he's turning on his friends after two minutes of positive reinforcement from a bunch of degenerate pirates. So we're really seeing what kind of man uh, the thing is here. He's now, not a very, very good person. Very interesting in contrast to how trusting Mr. Fantastic is of Dr. Doom, despite maybe having been in some classes with him, whereas, who? I mean, he really should have been less trusting of everyone, Dr. Doom, but even of the thing who he actually is friends with and goes way back with back in the day. Um, so yeah, they, they put him, um, in the, uh, they put him away and that's it. That's the end of the book now. And then, uh, a, a big tornado comes because <laughs> a very, very interesting timing. A tornado hits, takes out the whole ship. Everyone is, uh, awash and they wash up on this Island and Mr. Fantastic and company and, uh, Johnny, they find the thing and things like, Hey, don't even mention it. I know what you guys are, are thinking. I kind of turned into an asshole there, kind of let things get to my head, kind of became a dictator, sort of took you guys prisoner. But uh, anyway, sorry about that. And it's fine. Everything. I mean, Reed is the most trusting and forgiving person I I maybe in ever in the history of comics. I can't believe this. I can't believe this whole thing. This is hilarious. And they never talk about it again. Even when they recap this thing, they never mention it. Oh, by the way, Sting turned bad. I I keep calling him Sting. Because it makes you think about wrestling and heel turns. The thing turned bad, yeah. and if if this were if were it not for a tornado, thing would have lived out his life as a tyrannical uh, pirate just because some degenerates like cheered him on. You know that's because the thing failed his challenge on his path Here to destrucity. I knew it. I was setting up. And had the thing mm-hmm. risen up and taken on that tornado and fought the challenges in front of him. He would have turned out to be a better man, and we could have talked about it in the future of the comics. I think that's but quite clear. He failed, and we can't talk about it ever again. All right, well, that's too bad, but uh, everyone, all is forgiven. This has really not made an issue out of it all uh, whatsoever. Um, as they're picking up, uh, of course, the gems did wind up there with them, but Mr. Fantastic is like, look, um, I just thought of this, but if, if as much as I uh, you know, unreasonably trust uh, this Mr. Fantastic or this Dr. Doom character and unreasonably quickly forgave the thing, um, I have a feeling if he wants us to get these gems, then he's probably going to do something bad with them. Finally, a little bit of distrust. Finally, he after, after yeah. the thing turned on him, He's finally starting to realize maybe not everyone has the best intentions here. He says, I don't think we should actually give him these gems, guys. And let's put a bunch of other shit in here, some chains and stuff in this thing, and we'll throw these gems to the bottom of the ocean. So that's what they do. And then somehow Dr. Doom just feels it out and just has a good sense of the time to bring him back. He's getting impatient. He's like, if they're not done by now, I'm just going to kill him. Fuck it. So luckily, yeah. this was a decent time to do it, but it could have been it could have been not the best time. And and had to assume they would have the gems on them at the moment that he pulled them back. Like there was no coordination here. Um, anyway, brings them back to uh, to Latveria Castle Doom, and opens the thing, and turns out, oh, it's all these chains. What the fuck is this? This is bullshit. You fool! Immediately, mm-hmm. thing smashes Doctor Doom two bits. You know why? Because this is also the first appearance of a Doom bot. It was just a robot the whole time, just like Nick Fury and his life model decoys. Chances are, if there's a confrontation towards the end of a story with Dr. Doom or Nick Fury and you see him die, don't get too upset. 
turn the page. He's probably just That's right. a decoy. But they do set up a little uh, a little future plot device here where they're talking about scattering the gems on the sea floor, and then they say, what if Namor finds them? Does Namor find them? I don't know. Okay. I was thinking that too. I was like, is this a story I know about? They do set some things up. They're like, oh, bottom of the sea. So I, I do, yeah, maybe we'll, we'll keep up. Well, the next, the next issue, the next issue is Dr. Doom and Namor. Maybe we should read the next issue. Maybe Maybe. we should read the next issue. All right. Well, I will read it just for the hell of it. And we can decide maybe this, this could be a nominee for a future uh, spotlight. If so, we choose. Should we deem it worthy? So, yeah, I mean, they're essentially defeated here. I mean, except that they didn't bring, you know, they didn't bring, um, the gems back, but Dr. Doom still has all the cards. But now this is, I will say with all the talk of wokeness and, and whatnot in comics or what have you, Fantastic Four was doing female empowerment and wasn't a big deal from the beginning. Because as I was often the case, Sue gets completely forgotten about and disregarded, and she does end up saving the day you do due to her invisibility powers. This is something that I've seen in, in many Fantastic Four stories. Uh, she's often held as a damsel in distress, co- sort of shown disrespect by the villain, but then due to said disrespect and the fact that she's largely forgotten about, they she ends up sort of helping and saving the day. So... Uh, and this is a way to do a character correctly without beating us over the heads with it. It makes us go, oh, Stu's kind of resourceful. Cool. I don't feel like I was beaten over the head with any sort of ideology. I always thought I was shown a good character development from this character that we may have underestimated previously. What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And you get a lot of growth out of uh, Sue Storm's character throughout the years. You know, you see her kind of, kind of falling into some of the stereotypes in the 60s, but growing up into like, it's well, a great costume probably, in the 90s. Yeah. And probably one of the most powerful characters in the entire Fantastic Four is, you know, what she ultimately becomes when she figures out all of her powers. So, Indeed. Indeed. Yes. And like you said, that, that invisible girl becomes uh, an invisible woman invisible quite woman. shortly. Um, this one kind of does end a little bit sort of anticlimactically. They, well, I mean, I guess it's, it's climactic because they burn fucking Doom's castle down. But he no worries because uh, he's got a jetpack. So he he does not seem yeah. concerned about the castle doom that's been there for centuries. Uh, I assume it didn't really burn down, or he had another castle, or he rebuilt. I don't know. They don't address this. I don't think they they don't. I think it's one of his castles because he he says he's going to some other location. They might not have planned him to you know be a long term deal at this point just yet. Well, I mean, he shows up right in the next issue. So yeah, well, I mean, long term, maybe they just planned for two issues. I don't know. Yeah, fair. I mean, honestly, this this day and age, two issues is pretty long term, pretty long term storytelling. Uh, yeah, we we're we're gonna leave this as a bit of a cliffhanger because this goes into the next issue. So maybe we'll return to it someday. But this is the Silver Age spotlight, not spotlights. Right. One issue per show. That's our limit. But we're gonna do a lot of them. So we'll see. Um, thoughts? Let's just dive right in. Uh, so do you want me to go first? Or you want to go first? So I'm not biasing you. Uh, I mean, you can go first. I already have my. Okay. I think I already have my score. Okay, so we didn't we didn't we didn't discuss who this was being written by and who the artist was in this. This is none other than Stanley and Jack Kirby Correct. doing the story and the art. Although, did you notice at least in this edition of the on the Marvel Comics app, I knew it was Lee and Kirby, but they're not credited, and there's no credits in this book. I like their. Oh, they're, they're they're credited all over the place. Where? So if you look at all the parts, every splash page for the you know part. If you go back to part five. At the bottom of the page, you got Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Oh, really? Okay. Well, in the lower right-hand corner. All right. Well, and then every right. every one of those, they have it. But that's all right. Well, it turns out they're credited a lot. All right, whatever. <laughs> anyway, not in the traditional way. Not in the beginning of the book where I was looking for it. <laughs> so, um, 
So I thought the story was uh, your tri- your classic traditional Silver Age cheese. Um, for no apparent reason, uh, introducing the new character, Dr. Doom, they decided to throw the Fantastic Four back to pirate times, whenever that is, um, to fight Blackbird the pirate and only to turn the thing into Blackbeard. I thought that was a little crazy, but it was a lot of fun to read, um, which is what you'll find with a lot of these Silver Age stories. So I'm going to give this uh, story um, a three out of a five. I thought it was well well written. It was a little bonkers, uh, but that's kind of what I want out of my Silver Age. The art uh, is Jack Kirby. It's pretty good for Silver Age. Um, you know, you get... Uh, you get some weird things here and there, like the Human Torch hasn't been fully developed. His, um, you know, you don't get the whole Johnny Storm kind of uh, Human Torch. He's just kind of like a firewall um, in these issues, in the shape of a human. Um, you know, some of the some of the panels are a little wacky, but that's typical Silver Age art. Um, I'm going to give the art in this one um, a three as well. So this one's getting a six out of ten for me. Very crazy book. All right. Yeah. I mean, story is a little weird. Uh, as, as I've discussed uh, before, you know, I, I give everything in the Silver Age somewhat of a curve. Uh, uh, somewhat not a curve. A great on a curb? No, it is a curve. Grading on curve. a curve. I do grade everything on a little bit, bit of a curve, but I, I would say for a Silver Age story, this was a little kind of convoluted. Not even convoluted. Just, well, yeah, convoluted. I mean, the plan was convoluted. The setup yeah. was not what I was expecting. I was kind of surprised. I did think there would be, more, I mean, there was the backstory with Reed, but I, there wasn't really that personal connection that I was expecting. And maybe that's the fault of my expectations that coming into it, but I still feel like there could have been a little more coherent connection between Reed and Doom other than, yeah, I know that guy from school. Like, why did he target the Fantastic Four for this mission? Why was this the only way? Did he know Thing was Blackbeard? Did did he know that he had to send Thing back to become Blackbeard? Like, that would actually be interesting if we found out that that was the whole thing, that how he only, like, somehow the only way Blackbeard was going to get the gems that he would later find would be because he sent Thing back. And maybe we'll find out in the next issue. Maybe this will retroactively make more sense. I'm feeling like it won't, but maybe it will. I don't think so. Uh, I can't go much higher than a three either. And that is with the curve included, you know, that's still slightly above average. I mean, it's still fun. Don't get me wrong. It's classically, it's, it's a fun issue. And it's, it's like as nonsensical as maybe anything else of the time, but it's, it it did sort of leave me wanting a little bit. Um, And then the art, this is, it's Jack Kirby. So you got to start with a certain kind of baseline at least, but it's, it's not like the best Kirby Kirby. I gave it a 3.5. I think your three is just as fair. It's, it's a you know potato potato here, but there were some areas that just didn't have a lot of detail. I, I think doom didn't look as imposing as I really felt he should. And I'm not saying he phoned it in, but it's, it's not the best work of Kirby's I've seen in my life. So 3.5, I'm giving that 6.5 total for me. That bands are 12.5 uh, combined. Yeah, not great. First appearance of Doom. But as as we often will probably say here, at least for historical issues, uh, I think if I gave this a one, I'd still recommend reading it because this is a historical issue. This is the first appearance of Doom. I mean, some of this stuff, like, I don't uh, care what we graded. I'm going to recommend, like, out of a – well, I, maybe you disagree. I'm going to recommend reading anything that's a curiosity, but I can't say I even enjoyed it, to be honest. Where So it, it's tepid. It's a tepid recommendation just in the sense of do you want to say you've read the first appearance of Doom? But you could probably just listen to us talk about it and and be just as, if not more, satisfied. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't I don't know if I if I can if I can 
say that this is a i mean a, don't pay fifty two thousand dollars for it my friends absolutely not well, I, actually I, maybe I, I mean if you got the money maybe it could be a good investment <laughs> if you got the money and you got nothing else to do with it then yeah, sure I mean, uh, better investment than a read and say that's true because this, this will only go up in value because you know other existing issues are just degrade and whereas reading it will make your brain go down in value quickly it sure will mm-hmm. yeah I, I don't think i can i don't think i can give a recommend to this uh particular book um, it was a little too wacky, you know, I think, uh, with all the retconning they've done to doom's, um, origin and a lot of the building they've done on the fantastic four, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, it feels kind of old. Yeah. It feels, it's it feels kind of out of date. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's other stuff. I'd say that first appearance of John Stewart felt its age in the sense of it felt of the time. There's sort of like yeah. some of the language and stuff, but it didn't feel dated necessarily. Yeah, I mean, it did in a right. sense. Every Silver Age book is going to feel dated in a sense, but th- some of them feel it more than others, you know? Yeah. Just like some of us, uh, you know, some of us have a grandfather, grandmother that's like really spry, really on it, but they don't really feel their, their age. Others that we have some, they're like, are you? feel it so this one i think yep. you can just you can just you can feel it in fantastic four number five a lot more yeah ex- exactly right exactly right couldn't agree more with that all right well another one bites the dust what are we thinking for we're probably going to go swing back to dc for next month huh yeah i think can, that sounds like a good idea so we're gonna have we to can, come up uh, with two yeah we'll discuss our options uh off air we'll give it a, we'll give it some thought yeah but until then my friends don't forget as always to continue to read comics from the past and change the world Good night, America. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.